my attitude was, I, I don't want to be a grumpy old man sitting on the sidelines saying how great it used to be. I want to be involved in the emerging trends. Yeah. I want to be a, an agent of change in the industry. Yeah. And so that would explain, for example, how I made the transition to things like eSports, which, yeah. which in the beginning didn't seem like a natural extension of what I was doing in the yeah. gambling industry. Yeah. For this episode, I had a chance to talk to Stephen A. Crystal who came all the way from Las Vegas for the ICE Expo back in London. Um, and he managed to spare an hour of his time to get on this interview. Um, he's a very inspiring entrepreneur. He's gone through a lot. Um, he's been in the industry of gaming and gambling for about 30 years. And he shared his journey, his thoughts on entrepreneurship, what it takes, the future of gaming, having an open mind and a lot a lot a lot more um so i really hope you enjoy this interview i know i really did it's full i mean full of value so do take the time take some notes and enjoy the interview thank you very much for taking the time steve to do this um i know it was a long trip from vegas so you've got a lot going on so really appreciate the time that you're taking to do this um first of all welcome to manchester how are you finding it? Excellent. Cold, but, uh, but a great city and uh, great people. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. Is this your first time in the UK? It's not my first time in the UK. I, I come here every year for the last 15 years to the uh, Ice Gaming Show, right. which is the casino and casino technology show in London. Uh, and this year, because of some work I'm doing with uh, Betfred, which is one of okay. the companies based here yeah. in Warrington, uh, I came early to see their operation and to to see the area yeah so okay you were already touching up on a bit on casino so i think you know our listeners you know want to know why is you're going to ICE and stuff like that so just to give some context could you give um a quick intro to your story uh kind of like under a minute uh sure. intro look uh for 30 years i've been in the casino industry i started in my 20s as a lawyer uh, representing the industry in the middle middle of the USA where riverboats were being added and uh, I was an expert in land use around riverboat gambling and then uh, I got out of uh, the practice of law in 2000 and uh, joined forces with a partner and uh, we raised a bunch of money from Wall Street and went to Las Vegas and uh, acquired uh, six casinos there so that began a different path as a casino owner um, and we did that for several years and then uh, after we sold those assets uh, I became an investor in gaming technology and that's what I've been doing uh, since uh, the, the mid 2000s. Yeah. So after graduating in law did you even think about that you're going to be into gaming casinos and stuff like that? Was that something that crossed your mind before? Total, totally by accident, time and circumstance. Um, I think a lot of things happen that way in life. Uh, you're in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I think the main lesson from it was I was open yeah. to whatever path. Um, it ended up being something that took advantage of my skills. Yeah. Uh, pre previous to, uh, to going into law, I was in politics, very familiar with grassroots campaigning and, and doing everything from local campaigns to presidential campaigns. Yeah. And so 
When Riverboat Gambling came along, it required a local initiative referendum. So I was able to do everything from run the campaign yeah. to uh, lobby for the legislation to uh, help implement the developments, the finance, uh, to help advise on running the uh, casino from a regulatory standpoint. So I didn't know. I didn't go to school for it, but yeah. it ended up being a good transition. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, you never know when you have an open mind, is it? You never know. Um, so, being in the industry for, what, over 25 years now? Over 25 years. Uh, I imagine it changed quite a lot, hasn't it? So, if you were to take away one or a few sort of bigger things, what do you think changed the most within the gaming and gambling industry? Look, when I got into the gambling industry in, in, uh, in the late, uh, you know, the late uh, 1990s, um, there were casinos in Atlantic City and Las Vegas yeah. uh, and in other places in Nevada. By the time 25 years later, there are now casinos in over 40 states. So basically, uh, my career, the first part of my career was spent seeing gambling expand in the United States and, and all that that involves. Um, expansion means eventually there'll be consolidation. And consolidation means that you'll need technology to solve issues of consolidation because what you're trying to do is get efficiencies in the business. So I went from being involved in the expansion of gambling to being involved in the technology. And now uh, we're going through what you've already been going through here in the UK for 30 years, which is the expansion of online or uh, digital gambling. And uh, that's new to the U.S., whereas it's very commonplace here. And so I, I've been investing in companies in Europe for the last 10 years because I know that's the future in the United States. And uh, now we're in a situation where those relationships in Europe are being cultivated to bring that expertise yeah. to the United States. Interesting. Yeah. So how hard do you think, I mean, how important and how hard was it for you to adapt, basically? Look, I think anything in life, in business, is about your attitude. Right. Um, obviously, uh, I've relied a lot on international relationships to grow my knowledge base, whether it's in sports gambling or casino technology or esports, which we'll yeah. talk about. Um, sometimes the best information comes from elsewhere. Um, sometimes people give a little rub on Americans being you know, close-minded or, you know, a little bit uh, conceited about the U.S. And, yeah. and I think if your attitude is positive, if you're open to other culture, then you can learn more. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think in the, in, the, in the industry that I'm in, there's a lot to learn that doesn't organically exist in the United States. Okay. So if I want to learn it, <clears throat> I have to be prepared to be open. And yeah. so... The number one rule that I live by is a flexibility, openness, um, so that I can learn. Yeah. And uh, that's how I would view, you know, my experience in, in Europe so yeah. far. And something I was really impressed talking about being sort of open-minded and adapting to the industry is that um, somebody that's been so long in an industry, so experienced, you know, you're really doing a good job of being on social media on really adapting to technology. You know, you've had, you know, your, your own podcast as well, um, the, the, the Crystal Report. Um, all of these things are quite, 
I, know, I imagine they're quite challenging when the world just moves so quickly sometimes. When social media came in, right? How hard was it for you to actually transition into that and how has that affected your business? It wasn't hard for me uh, in the sense that, uh, look, I'm, I'm 53 years old. Um, you can go one of two ways. And I, I have lots of friends who are, are my age and older mm. who have been leaders in the industry but who become irrelevant. Right. And so I had a decision to make, which is uh, do I slowly become irrelevant because I'm not willing <coughs> to engage in social media or do I try to engage in social media my way? Obviously, I'm not in my 20s anymore. I have a lot more experience and things to offer. So I just decided uh, to, to do it my way. Um, I, frankly, the most criticism I got was not from the, the new audience I was trying to track. Yeah. They were very receptive. But, yeah. but the old timers uh, you know, were scratching their head and criticizing. And I said, that's how, fine. How do you ignore that noise? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, some of it in Las Vegas, it's a industry town. It's a relatively small community and you, you hear noise. But um, my attitude was, I, I don't want to be a grumpy old man sitting on the sidelines saying how great it used to be. I want to be involved in the emerging trends. Yeah. I want to be a, an agent of change in the industry. And so that would explain, for example, how I made the transition to things like esports, which, yeah. which in the beginning didn't seem like a natural extension of what I was doing in the yeah. gambling industry. Yeah. So something you've said in a, in a previous inter interview um, is that most things fail, right? Um, and from what I, I, I gather so far, you like to go into industries early, mm -hmm. right, while well, still developing. Um, what do you look for when you go into, whether it's you personally or, or through your, your management company, when you invest in brands and people? Like, what, what do you look for? Look, it's, for me, it's uh, obviously after 25 years, I develop certain instincts about uh, what I think has a chance and, yeah. and what I think doesn't. But I would say 99.9% .9 of the decision for me is the people. Right. Uh, I make bets on people. Um, and obviously what I've learned in life, I wouldn't have to, it has nothing to do with the gambling industry. It could be any industry. It could be any aspect of life is that uh, people are unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, you can study, you can get to know them. Um, particularly if you're open to doing things internationally, which I am, yeah. there are cultural differences. There are differences in communication. Yeah. There are differences, not so much in values. I think certain values are universal. Uh, but I wouldn't say that... Give me an example. Well, I think people, universally, I think people uh, want to be fair. Mm -hmm. I think universally, I don't think people are raised to, to, to try to uh, take advantage of other people. They want to be fair. Um, I don't think the issue is the commonality of values, but obviously there's a difference in experience. And I think the biggest problem I have is I'll make a bet on people and I'll be disappointed because when I think they should act a certain way, they don't. Yeah. And uh, obviously at this stage in my life, um, I, time is getting shorter, not right. longer. So if it's not working, uh, if the people issue is not working, mm. then I have plenty of things to move on to. Of course, yeah. So I would say that uh, if, I, if you're an entrepreneur and you're uh, trying to make something happen, 
I think you should be open, you should be solicitous, uh, talk, be, be open to talk to people, but at the end of the day, it's, it's about, you know, obviously it's a chicken and egg. You're new, so you don't have the experience, so you got to lead with what you have. Yeah. It could be just an earnestness, it could be that you're going to work hard mm -hmm. to make something happen. This is all you can do. You can have a good idea. Um, you need funding, you need support. Um, so the people who succeed with me are people who are honest, yeah. who are straightforward, and who are willing to work hard for their dream. And it's then up to me to decide whether to take a chance yeah. to help make it happen. Okay, so, so a lot of our audience are young aspiring entrepreneurs. So let's say you know, somebody wants to pitch their idea to somebody like you for investment, right? What would you say they should focus on the most? Look, you have to have a clear story. So you, you have to show me, in some respects, how you make a pitch tells me how you're going to run the business. Right. I have to be looking at you and saying, okay, if I give this person a dollar, uh, are they going to spend it right? right. Are they going to be good fiduciaries over that resource? Mm -hmm. Are they going to get a return on that investment? Um, so I think you need to, if, if you don't have the answers, if all you do is have a good idea, but you don't have the market research, yeah. and you don't have the business model. Yeah. So fundamentals, basically. Fundamentals have to be strong. It's okay if you're young to say, I don't have experience. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, I don't have resources. Okay, this is why I'm here. Yeah. But there is no excuse for not thinking through your idea. If you're just trying to get somebody to throw money mm -hmm. at your idea with no you know, path to success, then yes, you'll eventually get someone who isn't so smart to give you money if you ask enough people, yeah. but that's not something I'm interested in. Yeah. A lot of people I think think that a pitch deck or, or you know, a presentation you know, for investors has to show the best side of you, right? How important it is, because I'm, so I, I it might be because I'm Lithuanian, we're very, very straightforward people, right? And we'll say, as it is, just straightforward to you, right? Um, some people, especially in the UK, they don't like that. They feel, see it as rude, right? But in a pitch like that, do you feel like they should present their problems as well and their issues, or should they just talk about the, 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 the potential and the good things? Look, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm originally from New York City, right. so I, I like direct communication, and that's, that's been one of my rules. So I like someone who's direct, good or bad. But look, a pitch deck is uh, just words on a paper. Obviously, I see hundreds of pitch decks yeah. from all over the world in a year. So what stands out? Uh, I'm more interested in, first, I, I know the space. If it's something that I think has a good, is a good idea, mm -hmm. then I'll give them credit for that. It doesn't matter what they've put on paper because maybe they're not the best at putting gotcha. things on paper. I go for the idea, is that something that needs to be brought to the marketplace? And if the answer is yes, then I then look, is this person have enough skills and enough trustworthiness that it's worth my time to bring them along? Yeah. Even with that, the chances that we'll succeed could be less than 20%. Mm -hmm. uh, my job is to increase it up to 100%. Um, and obviously I make, you know, I could make 10 or 15 bets a year and a few will pan out, but this is the nature of what I do. I imagine be being on social media right now doesn't help reduce that number of pitches for you as well. 
what would you maybe say not to do for people? I know there's people sliding into DMs and saying, uh, hey, can you give me money? Like, I've got this thing, right? Um, I know, you know what? I don't, uh, I do put myself out there. It helps, <clears throat> it helps to create a flow. Uh, yes, I would say 95% of what comes my way is not in my bailiwick. Yeah. But I'm not so important, or, or my time is not so precious mm -hmm. that I don't have five or ten minutes. So I have some basic rules. I will not, I don't schedule time with people. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to pitch me, then just call me up and pitch right. me. If, if I miss you, I'll call you back. So I'm not a big, you could spend more time scheduling this or that yeah. uh, than you do looking at an opportunity. I'm smart enough in the industry now to know what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go through a whole process. So for me, the best way to interact with me is just hit me between the eye and say, here's what I want to do. If I'm interested, then I'll say, let's schedule a time with my team and we'll get into the details. So to make a pitch, make it easy on the person you're pitching. There are some people, I scratch my head, it's not like I called them and said, can I look at your deal? They called me. Yeah. So understand who your audience is. That shows me that you're perceptive. If if I say to you, just call me, and then you keep asking to schedule a time, mm -hmm. the likelihood that we'll even get to, f to first base is zero. Yeah. So I use these filters. If someone can figure out who they're dealing with, the other thing that really bothers me about some young entrepreneurs is they don't do the research on who they're dealing with. Um, it's a shortest attention span, basically. It, well, it does, but I mean, look, you know, know who you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that you need to, to know it inside and out, but know generally who you're dealing with. Do your homework. Um, I would, of course, do that if I was seeking to speak to somebody because I want something from them, I would know who I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. So it it, to me, it shows laziness if you're not willing to do your homework. Yeah. So these are just some small things. But in general, I'm not so interested in how nice the pitch deck is. I just I have certain questions. What's the idea? What's the competitive landscape? What, what, do you, what do you bring that's unique? What do you bring that's proprietary? Can you protect what you're doing or can anyone else do it? Um, how much money do you need to get to your first dollar of revenue? How much money do you need to get to profitability? Um, these are basic questions and it could be answered by a deck or it could be answered in a five minute conversation. Yeah. This is how I do it. So always, it does come down, save me time, give value, fundamentals basically. Pretty much. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, last year, you've launched eGamersGuy.com. Was yeah. that, um, first of all, why? And was that the first, maybe, time where you started really exploring eSports? Look, every year, um, I used to invest a certain amount. I was disciplined in other companies. I would take a minority interest. Uh, about five years ago, I switched my thesis, and I said, uh, I'm going to just invest in my companies. Mm -hmm. So these are companies that I incubate. Um, and what I did, actually, the holding company for eGamers Guide is a, is a company called Versus. Mm -hmm. Versus the world. It's Versus, V-E-R-S-U-S, the dot world. And, and that is a conglomeration of esports assets in the media side of the business. So what I'm going to be doing is creating what I think will be the world's largest affiliate company for esports, and what I mean by that is, uh, I'm going to control traffic. Um, I'm purchasing a company, 
It's not public because it's not a public company, but I'm purchasing a company in New York that is involved in making content for the esports industry. They make content for 100 websites dedicated to esports. And they manage a traffic of about 100 million monthly active users. I am leveraging those assets with a traditional sports betting affiliate company model. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be selling sports picks for traditional sports like NBA or or basketball, your favorite, but also for esports. So I will be a one-stop shop for anything esports related in terms of information Mm -hmm. with the ultimate objective of creating uh, a massive affiliate company for wagering. And uh, this has been a project I've been working on for four years. Mm-hmm. I've been methodically acquiring the different pieces to this business. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're out in Wall Street. Sometimes I go out and raise money like I do on behalf of other companies. So we're raising it for ourselves. Uh, we're raising about $10 million. Actually, eGamers Guide will be rebranded to GG Guide. Okay. That'll be our new domain. And it will go into uh, basically have a presence in every country in every esport, in every sport. I've hired some of the best handicappers in the world who would ha- cover the traditional sports and I've hired <coughs> probably the best handicapper in esports um, to be part of this company. So yeah. we, we will be, something like this doesn't exist. Uh, I can say that, but um, this is an example of a company that I've incubated and that's in the esports space and that combines the things I like about esports. So that's very unique. I think in the approach, especially coming uh, from the gambling world, that again shows the adaptability aspect of it. Um, so, what what are the biggest challenges when you need to transition like that and think about how can you leverage the new technology to use? Look, it? the biggest challenge is uh, bringing along the old world. So, yeah. if I'm in the casino industry and they say, "Yeah, we we like this esports, uh, you know, can put it in there," I'm like, "Well, it's not that simple. We can't just put it in there. You have to be." committed to it. You have to market to your customer base. You have to be open to having that customer base here. Um, The products look different. Um, You know, when I say I'm doing an affiliate, I've got to go to these uh, old line book, you know, uh, handicappers who've never heard of esports and and explain to them what it is. And so a lot of it, a lot of the challenge is simply education. And uh, the way that I accomplish that is by investing, learning, and traveling, uh, and becoming an expert, a subject matter expert. This is not your first business, and probably not your last. You've done quite a few ones and successful ones. What does it take in your mind? Look, it just takes, uh, you know, obviously as you get older and, you know, you mentioned earlier most businesses, I've said most businesses fail. They do. Um, Failure is what gives you the best lessons. Obviously, I say a few things. Uh, I tell this story. There was a friend of mine uh, who who produced a Broadway show, or tried to over ten, over fifteen years, and then when it came out, it it got it got panned by the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and I said, I said it's not bad that you failed. It's bad that it took you fifteen years to fail. Right. So I would say. Uh, when do you know? When do you know to stop and say, right? Well, this, this, is a, this, is the, this is the sign of maturity. Uh, so I think that's the number one lesson. It's okay to fail, mm-hmm. but know, when, know when, it's, when the game is done and move on to something else. Yeah. 
I imagine it's quite hard, especially when you just start out, it's your first business, it's your baby, yeah. being very romantic about it. Yeah. I'm not romantic about any of these things. Um, do you have no like emotional attachment? No, zero. Yeah. Is that something an entrepreneur you think should have as a trait, not to be emotionally attached? I don't know. I mean, entrepreneurs are like, are like people. They have different personalities and different strengths. Um, what I've learned from my own experience is it's okay to fail, but fail quickly. Pick yourself up. You're always measured, not by how you fail, but how you pick yourself up. So get back on your feet. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I think you need to stay fresh in your thinking. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to be open and, and to listen and to learn. Mm -hmm. So these are good, good skills. Um, obviously, the more you do th something, the better you get because you, you make less mistakes. Mm -hmm. You don't make the same mistakes. Right. And eventually... So you, ability to learn basically from Basically, that. you get to the point where you've failed enough that you don't fail the same way. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, given the success and failure rate, um, very few entrepreneurs will succeed in a big way every time they go out, but there are some that do. Mm -hmm. I, I pay attention to those people because if they're doing something that's extraordinary, I want to see what they're doing, see if I can learn anything from that. But to be honest, people like me anyway, it's about the process. I've been involved in some of the most exciting industries and growth of those industries. Um, I mean, how much fun is it to run around the world you know, for 30 years talking about gambling, you know, learning about casinos and online gaming and sports wagering and sports wagering technology and trading operations. I mean, it's fun. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you do something you like, that's another lesson. You're, you're likely to be successful at it over the long yeah. haul. And I imagine you speak to a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of maybe startups or young brands, stuff like that. Is there a difference between them in the U.S. and the U.K., for example, or maybe so, somewhere else in Europe? Look, there are... And again, I don't, I don't believe in stereotypes. I believe in looking at everyone on their yeah. merits. But we are humans. Yeah, humans do stereotype. But look, um, e there are some cultural differences um, between people from the UK and people from the US. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I'm open. You know, I, I was here uh, meeting one of your local companies, uh, Gamer Wager. Uh, yesterday here in Manchester, they're doing peer-to-peer esports, which is an interest of mine. Yeah, you know, from my standpoint, I've done three or four investments in that, tens of millions of dollars. I'm, I wasn't really looking for anything, but these guys um, put their proposition forth in such a way that I'm open to looking at it. So, <clears throat> it, you know, I could have heard the same pitch theoretically in the U.S., but I happened to hear it here. Yeah. And uh, the merits of the idea were strong enough to warrant further examination. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it gets back to the point, if you're going to do your job, you got to be willing to listen. Um, they asked for the meeting because they saw me on social media and I said, yes, I spent uh, three or four hours with them. Again, this is what, this is what I have to do. I'm open to listening because um, I never know where the ideas will come from. Yeah. So you've mentioned quite a few things that I think young entrepreneurs should look out for, but what would you advise yourself 25 years back? I don't know that I would do it different. Um, 
I mean, I've had a pretty good run so far, and I, I'm trying to position myself to, to continue to do it. Seems like you're just getting started, to be honest it's, again. Well, I have, a, I have a fair amount of energy. Um, I, I really get energized when I, when I travel. I get energized meeting new people, doing things like this. Yeah. I just um, I enjoy being part of living. Yeah. And um, yes, the world is going much faster, and change is happening faster. Um, but th that's scary on the one hand. On the other hand, it's, uh, it's exciting. You know, it, it keeps you going. Yeah. So from my perspective, um, if I was looking back 25 years, um, I had some good mentors. Um, my mentor was my partner in the, in the casino business, Dave Barrick. You know, together we spent 25 years uh, acquiring casinos and um, doing some, some of the biggest deals in the U.S. in the casino industry. And uh, he used to say, number one, we take every meeting. This, I was taught this when I was 25. Take every meeting. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. If we don't like what they're saying, we don't take another meeting. Yeah. Number two, we answer every call. Uh, we don't play hard to get. We don't, we don't not return our, our call. We take care of our business. Um, and number three, we used to spend, we, we were present. Um, if we wanted to look at a piece of real estate, if we were going to buy a piece of real estate, we went to the real estate. Mm -hmm. We kicked the dirt. This is old school thinking. Yeah. Um, we didn't just sit in our computer mm -hmm. and and sit behind a screen yeah. and 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 hope you know people wouldn't recognize yeah. us. We got out there. This would be my biggest advice. I know culture has changed. I have yeah. kids. They're in their twenties and their teens. Um, I get it. Times have changed. You can have a group of people sitting around a table texting each other, even though they're sitting there, could be talking to each other. Yeah. I get it. But, but some of these old school notions work. Yeah. Looking somewhat in the eyes, getting out into the world and touching and feeling it. So yeah. if I was giving advice, it would be that. Yeah, I think yeah, social media really opens up the world, right? It really gets you connected. Like we couldn't have connected if not for social media. But then that next step, I think it's really important that it is face to face. It is actually the human aspect show of up. it. You have to show up. Yeah. And uh, and this is actually one of the things I do. Um, and I've had people take me up on this all over the world. Mm. I say, look, I like what you're doing. If I do like it, and I say, why don't you show up? Yeah. Um, I would say seventy percent of the people take me up on it and show up in Las yeah. Vegas. And if they do, I make time for them. Sometimes I give them two days of my time. And uh, sometimes it leads to something, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But it means a lot to show up. Yeah, shows character and mm -hmm. that you care, right. actually, doesn't it? So what excites you about the future most, um, whether it's eSports or, or overall? What are you most excited about? That's, uh, you know, I don't, you know, one of the nice things is, like, I never know what to be excited about. Like, I, I sat in the meeting before I came here. I was in Tampa for the week. Yeah getting ready to come to the, the UK and I was talking to somebody about um, a, a hardware device that you put on your brain, you put on your head and what it can do is measure your thoughts. Yeah. So if you think about something like a song, yeah. it, it can then translate it into what, what the name of that song is. So, you know, this is artificial intelligence meets uh, kind of uh, futuristic um, mind, you know, mind melding. So to me, what's exciting about the future is the, is the things that I don't even know about, yeah. um, that I'm opening to learning about and seeing how they apply to what I do know about. Yeah. And so every day, 
I, I come with things that, uh, whether it's artificial intelligence or it's machine learning, and, and the applications of that to the things that I already do, how can that make the gaming industry better? So I'm always looking at things that I can apply to what I do know. What I do know is not insignificant. I basically have relationships with the, the gaming, gambling industry in every country, in every city in the world. The technology, the operations, brick and mortar, digital, I mean that's a big knowledge base. Yeah. Um, and so what I look for is leveraging that with new products like eSports mm -hmm. or like artificial intelligence or maybe one day a hardware device that measures your thoughts so you don't have to tell somebody something it just does it automatically yeah yeah hit or <laughs> or split yeah you know you're playing blackjack just by thinking about it right talking about human connections yeah, yeah. Human connections, yeah. <laughs> um so for businesses that want to get into esports i think again like um, i think more and more of them want to um what, what would you advise them to look at first like where, where, where should they start here's what i would say um look the simple fact is more millennials or the younger demographic are watching Twitch than any other medium. Yeah. So what, if you want to be relevant, you have to attach yourself to content that people are watching. Yeah. Okay. Now the, the, the audience is very smart. Um, they know if you're pandering, they know if you're not genuine. So a half-hearted attempt to associate yourself with esports and a short-term effort will yeah. not work. It's wasted money. Yeah. So you need a sustainable strategy that um, identifies you with the content in a way that that is sustained and genuine and real. Yeah. And it means it has to have higher and higher production value. It has to have very clever ways to <clears throat> to kind of uh, associate those brands. Mm -hmm. um, these communities are not all the same. Um, there, you have players and you have watchers. Mm -hmm. You have you have females and males, each with a different um, yeah. uh, reason for being part of this these communities. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one size fits all, for sure. Um, I think over time, what will happen is um, there will be more more um, programmatic ways that people can plug into that because not everyone has the resources to develop strategies. Now, companies like Dimer, uh, Mercedes-Benz or, you know, who have sponsored major, you know, League yeah. of Legends tournaments, you know, these are major sponsorships and there's only so many of those to go around. I think there's a ton of activity. What I'm fascinated by is the semi-pro, mm -hmm. the local stuff that goes on. The grassroots stuff. This is where I'm coming from. You can never go wrong associating with the grassroots. Absolutely. So that's I, where the passion. That's where the passion is, and I think um, there's so many more people mm -hmm. that can partake in that. Um, so I think the opportunities are going to be endless. I think that ecosystem will support esports and create more funding for the infrastructure that's needed. So I think we've only seen just the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to grow and become more, you know, more formal, yeah. formalized. One thing that I've noticed, and I think social media has a lot to do with that because a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs that really go out there, it's entrepreneurship is popularized and everybody wants to put, you know, entrepreneur, business owner on their, on their Instagram bio or something like that, right? 
Um, now, I personally feel it's a good and a bad thing, right? Um, for multiple reasons, but I really want to know what you think about the fact that it's being popularized and people really are getting into entrepreneurship more than ever. Um, but sometimes uh, it might be for the wrong reasons. And how does that affect those people that are maybe not made for entrepreneurship? Look, I mean, I'm not a big thing into titles or, or labels. Mm -hmm. uh, something is what it is yeah. at the end of the day, regardless of what title you put on it or what label you put on it. But what I would say is this. Uh, when you pay someone's paycheck, then you start to feel what it's like to be mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. When you go without paying your paycheck so someone else can meet their obligations, now you're getting to see yeah. what it's like. Um, so, I guess my point is that that more and more people are now experiencing that, yeah. and might you know it might lead to depression, it might lead to you know something else that is not necessarily a positive thing. Whereas before you well, wouldn't you know even what? think about that. I don't know. I'm reading a book now that's, that talks about what it used to be. We thought that what the objective of life was to to strive for happiness. Yeah. <clears throat> the thesis of this book is that that's not the object of life. It's life is a struggle, and um, and that's the beauty of life. It's not it's not the thing to be avoided. Uh, I kind of come out that way. Life is a struggle. It uh, as you get older, you learn more realities. Uh, we don't. We kind of uh, our younger people, you know, my kids. We we try to shield them to, because we're parents. You know, we don't we don't want them to see the bad things in life that's that's more characteristic of my generation um so but my view is um you know it's these are things that happen uh, it, they're universal they've happened throughout time people get depressed people go up and down people have been entrepreneurs people have you know had traditional jobs mm -hmm. it, things haven't changed so dramatically yeah. um the fact that more people call themselves entrepreneurs is because more people are seeking um, less traditional roles, mm -hmm. and they're trying to use be, be more self-dependent. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, they can do it until they succeed. If they can't succeed, then they got to go yeah. do something traditional. Yeah. I'm okay with that. So, labels aside, I like what I see in that respect. But I think in terms of um, the ups and downs and what people are experiencing. Um, it just is what it is. It's uh, life is tough. It's not. It isn't meant to be a joy. And there could be a question whether you're really living life if everything is uh, is roses and uh, yeah. you know. I, I just don't. It's not my view of the world. <laughs> How do you deal with work-life balance? And do you think that thing exists at all? Look, I for me it's different. I mean, uh, you know, I was married. Now I'm married again. Um, the first marriage, I. I just focused on work. That's what I love doing. Yeah. And uh, so, do you think if you weren't running businesses, that that wouldn't have happened? I mean, I just think I am what I am. Uh, I think you got to be true to yourself. If you love what you do, then it's not work. Uh, so for me, it's it's what I love to do. Mm -hmm. So, so I found somebody uh, who loves the fact that I love doing what I do, right. and supports that I do it. I mean, you know, you make these adjustments, but there's not um, the balance. I don't know what that means. Um, you know, lots of books get written, lots of gurus get made, but at the end of the day, look, there's a few common rules. You know, try to do something you enjoy because you'll you'll like doing it. Um, you know, don't be don't be a jerk. You know, be a nice person. 
because you can get the same stuff done being a nice person as yeah, being nice a is very underrated yeah. still. Yeah. I would say be a nice person. Um, you know, there's an old adage, do unto others that which you would like done unto you. I believe in this. These are simple rules to live by. Um, and do the best you can. And yeah, you're going to fall down or you're going to feel sad or you're gonna, nothing's going to go exactly the right way. I used to say when, thing, when good things happen, I knew mm-hmm. right after that three bad things would happen. Yeah. And you just have to learn to kind of absorb it and keep going. Um, this is my view. Keep it simple. Yeah. Um, don't make it more complicated than it already is. Yeah, it, is. it is. So these are simple rules. I don't know. I used to have people look at me and say, well, how do you balance? Or you should, you should do this and you should do that. And what I came out with now, now at 53 is be true to yourself. You know, you are who you are. That doesn't mean you stop trying to improve yourself. You can always be a better person. Mm-hmm. You can be a nicer person. You can be more considerate of others. We don't stop that process ever. But be true to yourself, and the rest will fall into place. Yeah. No, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's, what's next, next for Stephen Eichrist? Look, uh, you know, my focus, uh, sports betting got legalized in America. I'm working with one of the best companies anywhere in the world. just happens to be here in Manchester, Warrington. Yeah. Uh, Bet Fred, uh, uh, Fred Doan is, uh, is an entrepreneur who's led that company, much like some of the famous entrepreneurs in America. I think that brand and, and what they represent belong in America. I, I'm going to work my, I'm going to work very hard to make sure <laughs> that they have a presence there with the right structure. Um, I'm so impressed with the type of organization, their focus on customers and people. I just think they're, they're, they're the best in the industry, anywhere in the industry. So I'm excited about that, and that's kind of my focus for the foreseeable future. Okay, yeah. that's great. So where can people connect with you? They, look, I, I, I mean, they, LinkedIn, I used to say, you can follow me on LinkedIn, yeah. uh, Stephen A. Crystal. I've run out of uh, the ability to add people, but just reach out to me there. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got Instagram and Twitter I use, but people are so mean on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what the value of that is, yeah. to be honest. It, it doesn't fit my personality. Yeah. Instagram is nice because I like to take photography. Yeah. Um, I really like Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I like to kind of tell the story of uh, what it's like to travel the world and, and be open to yeah. things. So you can, Stephen Allen Crystal, you can follow me there. But, um, you know, the main thing is uh, I'm not hard to find. Um, you found me through a connection to someone else and I answer every call. So. Yeah, I was really, really, really impressed of how down to earth you are. How, like the, 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 the thing you keep um, saying is it being open and open-mindedness and that's something that I really, really appreciate in you and in people in general. I think that's, that's major and um, only through that, through collaboration, through relationships, yeah, I got, I got to meet you as well. Awesome. Um, so I think... Um, you bring a lot of insight. I think I, I, I love the fact you're very adaptable. You're not afraid of the outside noise and just do your thing mm-hmm. and what makes you happy. And I think that's very valuable and very impactful. Um, so just wanted to say a big thank you yeah, for taking the you. time. Uh, it was awesome. really great chatting with you. I'm really excited to see uh, what's next because you're working on some amazing so, stuff. Jonas, what's your favorite NBA team? 
Boston Celtics, All hands right. down, since I was about eight years old. It started with I liked their jerseys, mm -hmm. to I liked their history, I liked their, their, their ethos. Mm -hmm. Then the big three came out of Kevin Garnett, um, Ray Allen, and, and Paul Pierce, and it just, it just yeah, right. went from and there. And who's, who's the greatest player ever? Is it LeBron James or Michael Jordan or, um, or someone else? James the, the, the easy answer will always be Jordan. Yeah. But... If you were to ask me who's my favorite player of all time, yeah. it will have to be Kevin Garnett. Yeah, okay. Simply because he brought it every single game. He never took a day off in the game to be demotivated, not into it. He, his passion and, and everything was on there every single day. And that's something I try to uh, do in my daily life as well. Awesome. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you very yeah. much. And uh, have a safe trip back. <laughs>